You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, the sidekick of Max A. Pooch, the canine champion for animals and the environment. Each episode of Awesome Advocates dedicated to an individual or individuals whose work helps improve or save the lives of animals and makes our planet a better place. Today's guest is Darlene Arden, a friend of pets and animals everywhere. She is the author of Rover, Get Off Her Leg, The Complete Cat's Meow, award-winning writer, animal behavior consultant, and a much-requested public speaker. One of the things Darlene is going to talk about is the alarming rate in which animals are being abandoned today. According to the RSPCA, abandoned pets are being dumped like rubbish. People are deliberately dumping their animals in out-of-the-way places like bins, skips, or on waste ground and leaving them to die. Darlene will discuss this terrible trend. Also, the holidays aren't too far off. Darlene will share with us her opinion about giving pets as gifts and why she feels the way she does. But first, we need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's DesignerPetSweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and with us today is Darlene Arden, animal advocate, author, and award-winning writer and animal behaviorist. Welcome, Darlene. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, you know, it's really timely because, you know, the, the holidays are fast approaching, and I read that you're not a big proponent of giving pets as gifts. In fact, if I can quote you, you stated, quote, do not give a pet as a gift unless you absolutely know the person wants one and was going to get one. You know, Darlene, to some people, you must sound like the Grinch that stole Christmas. Why are you so negative on this subject? doesn't bother me if I sound like the Grinch. I am the proponent of the animal, not the human, because so many pets are thrown away. The kitten grew up and is no longer cute. They toss it outside. The puppy is growing into a big dog. Oh, and he's such a nuisance. Let me get rid of him. They either throw them out or they take them to kill shelters. They don't want the responsibility. 
First of all, before you choose a pet, be sure you are ready to make a lifetime commitment. Depending upon the pet, they can live anywhere up to 20 years. That pet is going to be part of your family. You're choosing a family member. Most people spend more time deciding which refrigerator or which car to buy than they do which dog or cat to bring into their home. Whether or not they're even ready for a dog or cat, that's the first decision. Can you afford the veterinary care? Will you take the time to train, feed, love, and play with this pet every single day? The American Kennel Club has a bumper sticker that reads, Pets are forever, not just for Christmas. Slightly paraphrasing, but that's their bumper sticker, and boy, is that right. That's really true. You know, I don't know whether this is true with with every shelter, but I was told when I adopted Max, he was turned in by his owners at six months of age. And I think probably it was an impulse purchase when he was probably a puppy. You know, nothing's cuter than an eight-week-old Labrador retriever puppy. But they told me that when someone turns in their animal, if they're overcrowded, that's probably the first one that's going to be euthanized because by law, they have to keep dogs and cats that are found a certain length of time in order for for people to claim them. Is that normally true across the, or is that maybe just an idiosyncrasy or where I was living? No, that's the norm across the country. So if I'm thinking that because I turn my animal in that it's going to get some kind of break as far as length of stay at a shelter, I'm totally wrong then. Exactly right. And the word shelter is interesting because it sounds like it's a place to be safe. Not if you're a dog or a cat necessarily. There are so many being turned in and they end up in overcrowding conditions. It's frightening for the dog or cat. The barking, the sound of the echoing in the place, just walk into a shelter and listen. It will scare you out of your wits, especially if you're small. And the people who turn in the really small dogs, the toy dogs, it's even worse for them. They're used to being pampered. Everything is overwhelming. Everything is humongous. And now they've been thrown away. Every dog, no matter what size, is confused. What did I do to get here? didn't yeah. do anything. Your owners did. Yeah, that's what attracted us to Max is that he was six months old. He was uh, almost full grown, but he was just cowering, just laying uh, on the corner of his kennel, just shaking. And mm-hmm. we found out probably a good reason why was that he had not been socialized. He'd, we'd think he'd been kept in a basement for the, oh, most of the God. six. So he, he was shell-shocked. And now you say something else, and I I can really understand from the experience. You suggest people do their research before bringing a pet home. And I can see why with Max, because when I saw him, I knew he was going to be a project dog. We took him out, and he had no training or anything. And if I had not been retired, I probably wouldn't have adopted him because I would have known, first of all, how big he's going to get and how much work he's going to take. And so you suggest researching before even bringing a pet home, whether it's from a shelter or anywhere else. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because every purebred dog and pedigree cat breed is programmed to be something. And the mixes are going to be a combination of whatever that programming is. So if you look at it and you can get, it's easier to get an idea with the dog than it is with the cat. 
And you really have to know what dogs and cats are about, what they're like, what their body language means, because you can misinterpret it. And they're going to be shaken and upset. So if you're going to a shelter, a breed rescue, at least if you want a purebred and you want a rescue, those animals have also been thrown away in shelters. They weren't purchased from an ethical legacy breeder because... The ethical legacy breeder makes you sign a contract, does such a complete in-depth interview that it's like adopting a child and maybe more stringent. And there's something in the contract saying if anything happens during the life of this dog and you can't keep it at any time, it is to come back to me. The legacy breeder created that life and is responsible for it. They don't want to see the dogs they've bred thrown into shelters. And those are from the, you know, people who've been screened and you don't know where life is going to take someone. You hope that this is going to be something that lasts a lifetime. But everyone should have their dog, without the specific dog's name because or their cat, without a name, in their will and make sure they've got somebody ready to take them. If anything happens to you, we can all be hit by a truck tomorrow. My car was totaled by a truck years ago. I can still walk and talk. I'm lucky. What if I hadn't been? Who would have taken care of my Yorkshire Terrier at that point without someone, you know, assigned? So you have to think ahead to all of those things. Get pet insurance or get a, um, a set up a separate savings account that you never touch that's just for the pet because it may be healthy today and not tomorrow. And your responsibility is to take care of that pet's health, to train it, feed it, love it every single day of its life. And if you don't have the time or you're throwing it in the basement like poor Max had been, socialization is really important for the life of the dog. So is training. Yeah, right. Everything we do is training for the life of the cat, too. They need, Even though they're indoors only, ideally, and no dechlorine, you still want to give them lots of environmental enrichment, and people are coming to the house. They should be as happily greeting people or at least looking at them and coming out at some point as a dog would be. Right. So that, you know, that really makes sense. And it also, you mentioned that uh, the, the commitment of a lifetime. I think a lot of times people just think, well, I'm going to commit to feed and watering them. But you bring out some other great points as far as what happens if something happens to me. You know, or what happens if the dog gets ill or a cat gets ill? Where is the money going to come from to pay for it? And going back to um, abandoned animals, do you think impulse purchase of pets is a, is a major reason so many pets are abandoned? I think so. I think a lot of people don't take full responsibility for their pets. And if they haven't stayed or neutered or been a good owner who watches the intact pet and suddenly there's a litter, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to find homes or they get tired of it? Somebody I know told me they were driving down the road and someone in front of them threw a cat out the window. Threw it out the window. Yeah, uh, that's just a terrible. Car. I mean, I can't even conceive of that. Somebody else, and I'm sure it's not the only person who's done it, dumped their cat into a colony of feral cats. He didn't survive very well. He survived, but he's lost an eye. Someone picked him up. Someone found him and got him out of there, realized he was a previously owned cat. But by then, the other cats had beaten him up. He was starving. 
he had uh, fleas. He was a mess. They got him to the veterinarian, and they're now trying to raise money for his care. He'd lost so many teeth, and the rest need to be pulled. His mouth is a mess. And it was one of those Kickstarter campaigns trying to, these people raise the money, and they're willing to take the cat, but they couldn't afford all the money it was going to take to pay for the entire $500 veterinary bill. And frankly, 500 is not much when you consider how much worse this animal could have been. And it could have been the thousands. Yeah, that's just amazing. And people just don't think. You know, maybe some critical thinking exercises should be taught when people are, are start to have animals. Because it, people you know, don't know they're a living, breathing, sentient being. They think they in this throwaway society. They can just throw it away like an old cup from a fast food place. You know, that's the message Max and I try to get across. I mean, we talk to essentially two groups, uh, either recyclers and environmentalists or pet uh, rescue people and whatnot. But two messages are tied together, whether you're talking about recycling um, trash or recycling an abandoned dog, is that we just throw too many things away. And, of course, we'll talk about the reason Max picks up trash is he hates to see anything thrown away, whether it's a paper bag or a uh, puppy. That's and, a great message to give. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, but you look at people who, as soon as their parents have some sort of diagnosis or they reach a certain age, throw their parents into a nursing home in this society or assisted living. This was not necessarily the parents' choice. They're warehousing them. And how often do they really go to visit? Oh, right. too busy. So this same mentality, when they, you know, tell me, oh, I'm moving, I can't take the dog. I want to ask, and the kids too? <laughs> well, you know, speaking of that, I wrote an article about a lady in uh, downstate Illinois who had discovered that sometimes people really want to keep their animals, but because they've been forced to move, either lost their mortgage or been evicted, temporarily they're without a place to leave them. And she works with them to try to find foster homes for the pets until the people get resituated. And uh, I really thought Karen was was really doing some good work on that because, you know, just sometimes... That's helpful. If that's really happened, then that's great. But if somebody's just taken an apartment where they don't allow pets and they know they've got a pet, uh, look a little harder. Right. Or see if you can talk to the uh, the landlord about making an exception to the rule. If you have a well-trained dog and a lovely cat and you take care of it and there's litter that doesn't smell so that there's no odor of, you know, cat odor. And if your dog has lovely manners and has been trained with positive reinforcement training and nobody should do anything else, you can also use it to train your cat, then that should be an acceptable pet. You're absolutely right about that. We discussed, you know, some of the reasons why pets are abandoned. Are there other reasons? The economy. They can't afford to keep it rather than find someone else. And sometimes their friends are in the same dire straits. They just dump it. So it's not always, you know, I'm tired of it. It's I can't afford to feed the dog or the cat and my kids. Other reasons are there are some doctors who really, you wonder if they ever bother going to conferences or reading the material, who will tell pregnant women to get rid of the cat. Yes, I've heard of that. That is so 
beyond stupid that my advice is get rid of the doctor. Get yourself another obstetrician because the worry about scooping the litter is not really a worry. The problem they think the woman's going to have is if the cat's outdoors and is bringing disease in. If you have an indoor-only cat, no declaring, which is the way you should keep it, there's no problem. But chances are, if you're pregnant, you have somebody else in that house who can scoop the litter box. No big deal. It's actually quite easy to do. It's not rocket science. <laughs> so during the pregnancy, the litter box can be scooped by somebody else. You don't throw it away. And by the way, cats do not steal babies' breath. The old wives' tales. I would love to know who those old wives are because <laughs> somebody needs to smack them upside the head with something. <laughs> I'm very gentle with animals, but when you ruin an animal's life... I have tales about animals that they better not run into Darlene. <laughs> no, I don't, it is, those old wives' tales have ruined more animals' lives. There's so much stupidity out there that if people stopped to think what they were talking about, they wouldn't say it or believe it anymore. You're, you're Dr. Mark had a great line about, you know, black cat is walking in front of me. You know, that black cat wants to get across the street. In England, black cats are considered good luck. Really? I didn't realize that. Yeah, they're not bad luck. They're, I mean, why are people prejudiced about I love black cats. I have friends who will only adopt black cats. Do you know that black cats and black dogs are the hardest ones to have adopted at a shelter? Yeah, you know, I didn't realize that. And then Max is a black lab, and uh, that's what they told me at the shelter. And I was really surprised because, you know, he had his papers. When his owners turned him in, they, they turned him in with his papers. And quite frankly, they said that, you know, they get a big dog like him who's black and isn't trained and it's going to be a long time if ever before that guy finds a home. So. It's horrible. I went into, uh, I've been known to go into shelters with clickers and teach the staff how to clicker train both the dogs and the cats to make them more adoptable and to make life better for them because it's interesting. It's not just, oh, hi, let me take you for a walk. They get to do things. They get a little bit of training. It makes a world of difference in their lives, and it does make them more adoptable. Most people do not want to adopt a teenage dog, especially one who hasn't been trained. They're big. They're bouncy. They're kind of all over the place. They have no manners. They're and obnoxious. Oh, totally obnoxious. I mean, it's like any other teenager. Oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> And they brought out the worst ones for me as if to test me, which, you know, I didn't care. And they said, well, if you like, we could bring different dogs out. I said, no, these are fine. And they were, you know, the hardest ones to adopt. And I taught them how to use the clicker in a couple of minutes. And I demonstrated what to do with each of the dogs. And, of course, each of them was pulling their little trick with me. Let's see if we can trip her and make her fall. Ha, ha, ha. And let me jump up and greet her. Normal dog behavior, just how, not how people live. Had each of them, I demonstrated what to do. By the time I'd walked in one direction and then the other, not terribly far, they were getting the idea. And I had the, I said, this is not magic. There is nothing magical about a clicker. It's an event marker. It tells the dog he's done something right. And it's more consistent than your voice. And they 
started doing it, I was like, oh my gosh, this one is really nice, duh. Uh, <laughs> of the dog is really nice. Nobody ever explained things to him in a way he could understand. You've been pushing him off. He sure. wants to know he's a good dog, and he, look what I can do. Oh, this is what you wanted. Okay. <laughs> Darling, we need to take a break right now, but uh, when we come back, I'd wonder if you could take us through what happens to a pet that is left behind or abandoned by its owner. Absolutely. Okay. So we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Animal Advocates. Before we went on break, our guest Arlene Arden was explaining, or was going to explain, what happens to a pet that's left behind, abandoned by its owner. And Darlene, could you sort of tell us typically what might happen? Absolutely. It's my pet peeve. Normally, it's left behind. Sometimes if people are are moving, that happens quite often if they don't throw it into a shelter, and we've just discussed what happens to them then. But more than likely, it's an elderly person's only companion, the only source of love that that person has consistently is the dog or cat, who is probably elderly now too. The person either dies or goes into a nursing home, can't even say the words without feeling like choking on them, and the family suddenly descends. They come in to dismantle the house and take all the things, and the only source of love and companionship that person has is the dog or cat who had to be left behind. And those people usually throw it out. They don't take it. They don't bring it home and love it and then take it to visit the person because that animal and that person would love to see each other again. They'll either throw it outside literally into the elements to bend for itself or they will leave it in the house. The house is locked up and the animal's starving to death. Either way, the animal's starving to death. 
it is the most horrifying thing in the world that the only source of love this living, breathing, sentient being is left there while they take things from the house. Collections of whatever the person collected, whether it was china or some jewelry or something they want. Boy, they get it in a real hurry. But that animal, that living, breathing, sentient, loving being, the thanks that poor thing gets for all those years of love is to be abandoned, thrown away, occasionally taken to a shelter, to be killed. One way or another, every one of those scenarios ends in death unless somebody comes in and rescues. And it ends in a really difficult death. You know, that it really is. I, although I did see an exception to that. It was a, a YouTube video mm-hmm. and terminally ill elderly man was in the hospital and his family somehow got permission from the uh, the hospital administration to bring his little dog in to him to see him. And it was really heartwarming to see that little guy. I mean, he was guys in this hospital bed, you know, there's tubes all up on them and everything. And they bring this little dog in and he just cuddles up right on the man's chest, you know, and his little tail is just wagging like this. And, and it was sort of a, a poignant goodbye for him. And if people would only realize that, you know, it's of course for the animal, but it's also for the human too. That's exactly right. If they could take that animal with them where they're going, of course they would. But usually they're going, if someone isn't throwing their relative into a nursing home or assisted living too soon, you know, at a time when they still could care for the animal and would love that companionship, then it's too late and they can't care for them. But they want to see them. They want to be with them. They want somebody who cares to take that animal and bring it to visit. There was a story recently of a man who recovered. He was on death's door. And they brought his dog to see him. There are, those are the exceptions that prove the rule. One woman, they got permission for her horse to come into the hospital. Really? Uh, I wow. don't know where, that, I can't remember where that was. I sincerely doubt it was in this country. But, uh, you know, I mean, this country, go try to get an animal in anywhere. Unless you're sneaking it in in a, ba- in a carry bag, there's no way you're going to get an animal into a, a restaurant, which you can do in Europe. There are so many ways this country is so far behind. You're right, particularly when it comes to uh, understanding the, the special relationship between animals and humans. You know, you were talking about the sad end to pets that are abandoned. And if a pet is sent to a shelter, ends up in a shelter and isn't adopted, typically how long do they have until they meet their end? And five do you days. Know, five days? Five wow. Days is the average, isn't? I mean, it's hard enough to find your dog in five days if it's been lost. Please, if you have a dog or a cat, don't just have a collar and a tag on them. That can be removed, and cats wear breakaway collars. Microchip them and register the microchip. Virtually all shelters have the readers, and they can go over the animal and reunite you with your cat or dog. I had a uh, guest on who who is a microchipper. A lot of people will think to microchip their cat or dog, but not other animals like 
perhaps you have a parrot. And that's what she did. She'd go make personal calls. Mm -hmm. And But she was saying something else that you should do is check occasionally. You know, when you take your animal to the vet, and over and make sure that microchip is still working. And they I can thought, migrate too, right? Right. Or they, you know, their device is made by man so they can malfunction. And exactly. uh, how many dogs and cats do you estimate are euthanized each day? I couldn't even begin to guess because there's so many in every single town, shelter, state. Thousands and thousands are euthanized. And yet, we have some shelters that are, see shelters closed, that more animals were abandoned. But in some shelters, it's become big business. The adoption fees in some places are what you would pay a breeder, an ethical breeder for a dog. And they're importing dogs from other countries for the shelters or shipping them from one shelter to another. It's very bizarre. Here in Massachusetts, they were going down to Mexico and Puerto Rico to bring in dogs. Some of them are brought in from Europe to some shelters, I understand. And the dogs they brought in were sick, made every animal in the shelter sick, and the whole shelter had to be shut down. Mm. It's become big business, and that's the ugly side of sheltering that nobody talks about. I guess one just might want to do a little due diligence, too, because we make the assumption that, oh, this is a shelter, therefore everything must be good. But that may not be true. No, absolutely not. You know what they say about the word assume. Yeah, it makes an ass of you and me. <laughs> you and me, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And it's not true. Every single day I get at least two or three emails from a woman on Long Island. I'm in Massachusetts who somehow found me, and she wants help. People contact her, and she sends out the emails with dogs and cats, sometimes two or three from a family, that need to be rescued. They need help. And I'm here. I'm not there. I have very few friends in the area. I will pass those emails along with a request to send them along so that, you know, please keep this moving so it will hit somebody, hopefully, in New York, who will turn around and help. What I find kind of bizarre is there's a very well-known shelter out there, North Shore Animal League, and I understand they only pull animals from shelters, but they're in the same area, and they're going out and rescuing the animals, apparently, that are in their backyard. I emailed them to ask about it, and they never responded. Hmm. And I find that very strange. I mean, why are you taking from shelters when they're animals, and now with the, you know, the elements, winter is just as dangerous as summer. Sure, definitely. Is there a website where we can learn more about pet abandonment and what we might be able to do to help? I don't believe there's any one clearinghouse website. What I can suggest is if you're donating, donate to your local shelter, not to these major organizations where very little of the money you send them. They're the ones with the commercials all over TV because they can afford them, and they pay their executives a lot of money. It's like any other charity. Do your due diligence in checking them out. But your local shelter is the one that needs even donations of paper towels and pet food. If you have time to spare but don't have time for a pet, go to the shelter and volunteer whether it's socializing the cats or the dogs or walking the dogs or if you know anything about 
clicker training, positive reinforcement. Start to train those dogs. Take them out one at a time and teach them something. Make life interesting for them. If you want to donate money, donate where it's going to do the most good, grassroots. Help the ones who really need the help, not the ones who have the money and are spending it on other things and very little goes to the animals. That's really great advice and uh, because I think sometimes people say, oh, well, maybe I'm unemployed right now and I'd like to do something for the local shelter, but I can't cut a check for them right now. But Mm -hmm. there's so many other things, as you just said. I mean, towels, newspapers, uh, walking them probably is is a very, very big on the want list of uh, rescues and shelters as far as dogs are concerned because... Every one of those guys would love to get a walk each day, and that takes a lot of people. That really does, and they're just in those little runs and cages, and it's awful. One of my friends in California a year ago adopted a dog he saw on Petfinder, and he drove to what is one of the worst shelters in Southern California, and he wanted to see the dog. It's a good thing he asked. The stupid people, not everybody volunteering in a shelter knows what they're doing had this little dog who'd been running the streets of Los Angeles for at least a month in the same run with two big dogs who had totally intimidated him, and you couldn't even see him. They'd just thrown him in there with them. They didn't care. They, you know, didn't have enough room. To this day, my friend is questioning, since the dog was neutered, why they didn't throw him in with females. They wouldn't have, you know, would have worked better. And that dog didn't come out of there with baggage. She came out with a whole set of American Tourister. And my friend who was disabled has been working every single day taking this dog on multiple walks, socializing him, training him. It's been wonderful. But the dog is too active for my friend, but he's not going back to the shelter. He's just doing his best to get him you know, he found him a child to play with and you oh, know, wow. people can wow. give him more exercise. And unless you're willing to make that kind of commitment, most of them aren't that much trouble. You shouldn't own a dog. But this was a dog who really needed everything. He was apparently owned at some point and then thrown out of the house. How he survived the streets, my friend doesn't know. But his rear is a little funny, and they think he may have been hit by a car and it just healed incorrectly. Mm. He survived all of that, and now he has an extraordinarily loving home where he's kind of king of the hill, and he's taken to the good life quite well. Well, that's good to hear. Hey, also, I, I want to ask you another question, and what is your website? Because I'm sure our audience wants to learn more about you and about your books. Oh, thank you. It's Darlene Arden, D-A-R-L-E-N-E, A-R-D-E-N dot com. Very easy to, uh, to find and remember. And there's also a link on the front page to my blog, Perpetually Speaking. Boy, isn't that the truth. I haven't shut up for all this time. <laughs> well, that's great because that's, you know, it makes my job easier having someone who knows what they're talking about. Otherwise, uh, we'd just hear me. But I do have, have another question, and this is one I ask each of my guests because many animal advocates get criticized, and people may ask them, with all the human misery and suffering in the world, how can you justify devoting time, money, energy, and resources to improving and saving the lives of animals? Quite easily. First of all, they are, as I keep saying, living, breathing, 
sentient beings. And one thing that I found that's very interesting is not only do people who advocate for animals also advocate for people, because animal abuse is the beginning of abuse of people for a lot of criminals out there. But the people who usually say, why are you doing so much for animals, aren't doing anything for anybody. You find they're not helping with the human situation either. They just resent the fact that you're spending time, energy, and money on animals. If you look at the human-animal bond and the unconditional love, they give us something we can't even get from another human being. Why should we throw them away? And they're so intelligent, and they do so much for us. The animal rights people would love to see, ultimately, their ultimate goal, if you do enough research, is they don't want anyone to own any animal. That would be the end of having a wonderful companion like Max. It would be the end of service dogs and therapy dogs and cats and horses and guide dogs and guide horses and police dogs and they work with their people. They enjoy being with them every day. And why do we do this? Because they do so much for us and they're living, breathing, sentient beings. And they're God's creatures too. Why aren't you doing something for them is my question. Or why aren't you doing something for anyone else? Great answer. Great answer. And you know, going back to... uh the ones who say we shouldn't own or have therapy or companion dogs or anything. I wonder really how much they know about animals because those animals, as you said, are enjoying what they do. They feel useful. And to think that they don't is to think that they're dumb beasts. Exactly. When I take Max out for a walk and he's off leash, his job since there weren't many pheasants in the suburbs, his job he's learned was to find bottles and bring them back. And he's focused. And he's, this is a great job, he says. Keith likes it, you know, and uh, gets him out of the house and gets me doing what I can do. And he's really in life and is stimulated. And if he didn't do this and he didn't have his job, I think he'd be a much more bored guy and his life wouldn't be as rich. That's exactly right. And cats who are left in the house and left on their own because, oh, they can take care of themselves. No, they can't. Another old wives' tale. They're independent hunters, not independent creatures. That's why the cat is on your lap seeking attention when you're reading a book or at the computer. Hey, yoo-hoo, I'm here. Uh, interact with me instead. That's in, they need that. There are, now they're training dogs working with returning soldiers from the war who have PTSD. They can do what no human can do for these men and women. In fact, uh, there's a dual program. It's taking court case dogs that have been the subject of abuse. I don't know if you've heard of her, Cynthia Bathurst in Chicago. She runs Safe Humane Chicago. No, I haven't met her. And she takes these dogs that really need to be socialized because if they aren't, they're going to have to be put down. And she matches them up with veterans with PTSD. And it's a win-win situation. And this this is a relatively new program. And Cynthia was a guest a couple weeks ago and was sharing this with us. And to your point, you know, both the human and the dog are really, really getting a a mutual benefit about what's going on as far as the relationship and the healing process. Exactly. And look at the uh, programs in the prisons where 
best of the prisoners have to earn the ability to learn to train dogs. And they're training, doing the initial training for service dogs and guide dogs in various prisons. And they come out with a whole new career. They're not just going back out into society with nothing to do. They know how to train a dog now. Exactly. You know, this has been fascinating. I've enjoyed talking with you today, Darlene, but we've run out of time. And I want to thank you for for being with us. And once again, can you tell us, our audience, where they can find out more information about you and uh, your books and your work? Absolutely. Thank you. They can go to my website, Darlene Arden, D-A-R-L-E-N-E-A-R-D-E-N.com. Max A. Pooch gives you five big tail-wagging wolves for what you do because he knows your work has directly improved the lives of dogs and other animals. And I also want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio, and the sponsors who made this program possible. And our audience, I want to ask you to please join us for each and every episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, and be sure to tell your friends about us. And remember, everyone, until we meet again... If you do a good thing for an animal today, your reward will be you have helped to make the world a better place. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.